2: And welcome back to the Beer Ladies podcast. I am your host today. This is Katie. Welcome back to everybody. This episode, we are gonna be talking about red ale. So it could be a divisive subject if you come to to certain categories of red ale. We're gonna talk about them all. My co-host today, we have Tandy. Say hello. Hi, everyone. We have Lisa. Say Hello. 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 And we have Bean. Say hello, Bean. Hey, guys. Just a reminder to people that you can watch this on YouTube. We now have our vanity headline. headline? Is that what it's called?
3: 57 Van- the headline us.
4: <laughs> <laughs> vanity, we have our vanity
2: Address. I don't know what we it's do called. Vanity URL, yes. And I did okay. do some testing to make sure that it did work and everything. So if you go to youtube.com forward slash Beer Podcast, you can find all of our season one episodes and you can continue to watch all of our season two episodes. We are also on Twitter where we are, are at Beer Ladies Pod due to our limit of characters and everywhere else in Instagram, we are at a Beer Ladies podcast and we're at Facebook, but we don't really update that very often. So <laughs> I wouldn't use that as a primary source of information from us. Damn. OK, <laughs> so tonight we're talking about red ales um, and all the different types of red ales that there are. So I know of five different types. Is that, is that about average? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Hmm. So we have the oldest one would be the Flemish red, which is quite a sour. Then we have, I see hoppy reds, a hoppy mm. red, mm-hmm. a red rye, and a, a, there's the British red, and then the Irish red ale. And I think that's where the controversy
3: <laughs> comes from. <laughs> the American homages to said, "I the only five red ales I know are smittics. <laughs> and we'll talk about that. It wasn't always red and isn't really now, but we'll get to that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Consternation is going to be yes. deeply felt.
2: So where do we want to start? Who has a good story about, about red ales? Oh, sorry. What are we drinking? It's been, it's, it's been well, summer break. I've completely forgotten all about what are we drinking? Still on holiday okay. brains. Am my happens? brain is melted. I do apologize people. What are we drinking? Because it wouldn't be the Beer Ladies podcast if we were not drinking some delicious beer. And this evening, we all have some degree of red ale. Some might be more uh, up- tangential. Is that a word? <laughs> Absolutely. We'll, start oh. with, we'll start with Tandy.
5: Cool. So I'll, I'll be I'll be a rebel. <laughs> I, w- w- when I think of red ales, I don't just think of an Irish or an English red ale. I think of amber ales. So the hoppier varieties, the more American hopped versions. So I have a one that I've never seen before, actually. It's by Dot Brew. It's called Intersection Amber. Now, remember, everybody, that every time we call out for new styles, they somehow magically appear. Like we're wishing these things into existence. And Hillary, in particular, has been screaming for Amber rails. So Hillary, if you're listening, there's a new one for you. It's um, it's very tasty. I've got it here for those who are not uh, watching. Just in my light, it doesn't look super red. But if I look into it, it's quite coppery rather than red-red, but it's quite coppery. It's not completely clear. It's got a little bit of a haze to it. And it's very, it's almost quite tropical, quite fruity. So very much American style, hoppy, uh, hoppy red or amber ale. So yeah, no, it's great.
2: And we'll move on to Lisa. What are you drinking? so i have
4: the eight degrees sunburnt irish red and again we, we will talk a little bit more about what that means or doesn't mean or if it ever meant anything Ooh, but it is uh, kind of like tandy's it is this sort of lovely really ambery color sort of you know coppery caramelly kind of color uh very clear though in this case i would say flavor wise and I think we'll talk a little bit about this. This is much more on the kind of sweet end when it comes to your, your Irish reds, and I think there's a there's quite a quite a spectrum these days, mm. and we'll we'll chat more about sort of how that came to be, or or if it even really means anything. Ooh, what could, what does it say? What does it mean? But this particular one is very much kind of on that end, although it's only is it five percent, so relatively low key, but uh, definitely. You know, not a lot of hops, just very, very caramelly. It really hits you with with that kind of caramel kind of a flavor. But uh, so far, enjoying. And Bean, what are you
2: drinking?
3: Ah, The thing that made it into the frame was the 4.4 Galway Bay Ale, red ale. And I would say this is probably more bitter than some of the things that maybe I might have had in this category. But it is quite coppery. It may be... It looks really, okay. It looks really dark in this camera in the rascals glass, but to me, it, yeah, in a in a certain light, I can actually see quite a copper through it. So it's pretty clear. Not not too much by way of of anything. So I and I kind of like the bitter.
2: I'm drinking a Raglan Road Red Ale from Brehen. It is from their Kavanagh connection, co- Collection, and it just says a traditional irish red irish ale with russet red hues a slightly malty nutty flavor hopped with magnum and willamette there you go it's really nice and darker i think than some of of your other ones and it's quite malty it's really really nice it's 4.5% and nice uh, session beer not that i need to be encouraged but we're recording on a monday night so i shouldn't be encouraged <laughs> <laughs>
5: Okay, so here, here it is. I want to ask the question, right? What is the difference, or is there really such thing as an Irish red ale?
4: Right into the controversy pool.
5: I love it. Gotta go. Gotta go into it. Can I just be a a punter? Because that's the only. I was like
3: creeping on different people's bitterness units and different colors and pale malt and you know how, roasting the barley differently in a little bit and crystal malt and at the end of the day, like as a punter. If I go in and I ask for a red ale, I probably am going to be expecting something that's quite clear. So ale yeast or lager yeast, something that doesn't actually have a lot of haze, something that doesn't have a lot of hops, unless it's labeled, this is hoppy red ale, hooray! And I would be expecting something that's quite coppery with a hint of ruby is what I would expect to and not too, not too much of all all of the level levels just you know uh, that's what I'd be expecting so that's my base
5: level yeah
2: the first time I ever had a Flanders red I didn't understand the style and I was like like oh this is not what I was expecting it's a little bit sour oh but it was different yeah but that would be the only exception I suppose to this is that the only sour red or are there more Oh, an well, you
5: you you could put a lot of different red coloured ales into like an American wild ale category, oh. but of of the broad styles, right? So maybe it's actually worth starting here. Of the broad styles, there seems to be American red ales, which are much more much more colloquially like called amber ales anyway. So amber ales, red ales, and then Flanders red or Flemish red. The Flanders are the sours. The Irish are the Irish or UK, and we'll get into that. And they're more of the balanced malt forward. So not too hoppy sort of beers. And I want to just remind remind myself for later, hoppy and bitter is not the same thing in this case, because they do have bitterness. They just don't have a lot of hop flavor. So that's that's a distinguishing factor, and they're definitely more on the sort of slightly sweeter side, but slightly more balanced than what you'd find then in the American side, which is the amber ales, and they're much more. That, you know, that, that's that's taking a red ale and amping it up. You know, putting slightly different hops in, maybe even different yeasts. You know, there's there's a different set of characteristics that come with amber ales than what will come with a red ale. And then the Flanders is obviously all on its own in its delicious corner.
4: Absolutely. And it's, it's an interesting thing too, to think about, like if you, if you had only known sort of, you know, Irish reds and let's, let's say that very generically and you, you order, yeah, a, a Flemish red thinking you're going to get the same thing. That's got to be a shock. You know, you're not expecting that. That's going to be a very different flavor profile. So I'm sure that's happened to someone though. Like you're saying, Katie, that's, who weren't
3: expecting. It doesn't mean it's bad. It's just, a very different uh, kettle of fish. It's actually quite likely to happen to me now, even <laughs> after this. I'll be like, I expect this. Oh, I forgot where it was. You have been forewarned,
2: Bean. Mm. Okay.
3: I know. Look right, look left. <laughs> Who even knows what, what side of the road we're on here.
4: But it, it's interesting in thinking about, you know, the different characteristics and how one might judge or not judge and, and talking about homebrewing. you know, it's, there's only been an Irish red category in the BJCP guidelines since I think 2004, like it was a relatively new style, mm-hmm. new style in, in air quotes, well, we'll talk more about that in a minute. But When I first sort of sat down to do my BJCP exam, which I think was in 2007, it was still like, oh, this is new, but there was this whole sort of mythos, and and at least in in North America, and I don't know, Bean, you can speak to the the Canadian bit, but I I do know that there was this sort of prevailing uh, sort of received wisdom that in retrospect is crazy, but at the time, you know, people like to pat themselves on the head and feel like they were very, very you know, oh. All these people off getting Guinness or, you know, just a sort of standard stout for St. Patrick's Day, they should be getting a red ale. That's a real traditional Irish beer. That's, you know, what my great grandfather would have been drinking, et cetera, et cetera. And, of course, you unpack that and that's complete nonsense. But it's interesting that people like to feel they were a little, a little smarter than just by going for something different instead of saying, oh, there's something a little different. Maybe I'll try it. There was a little bit of a, a little bit of a sort of frisson of, look how clever I am. I'm special. So that, I think there is that element, at least in North America. So where did it come from? It's pretend. (laughs) Woo! It's all made up. Now that's not to say there weren't, you know, certainly, you know, I mean, anyone who's been brewing for centuries, you're eventually going to do this by accident or, or even on purpose. We're going to get to that later. You you know, exactly. But, you know, we, we have to, obviously, whenever we talk beer history, we're not going to go heavy on beer history today, but just a little bit, we can't not, you know, cite Martin Cornell. And Ron Pattinson. And it's so timely because Martin Cornell just had a delightful you know, uh, Irish red ale as a, basically, as a sort of thing. And uh, I've, I've got it here in front of me. It just starts with how one Irishman's ginger beard helped launch an entirely bogus style of beer. And it is an utter delight. We're, we're going to link it in the show notes. Highly, highly recommend everyone go through and read it. But it's really, you know, a French brewery, the 1970s. Cores, all of these things come together to make kind of the the most ludicrous sort of almost sort of like parody of, of an Irish beer and the so, you know, Irish people wearing caps, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, you know, smoking pipes, the full thing. I, I also recommend looking up some of the adverts for uh, Killians when it first came out because you have Christopher Plummer pretending to be Irish. So there, I got a Canadian angle in there, Christopher Plummer, but it's <laughs> magical Canadian with added paddy wackery Yes, exactly. Exactly. But it's it's the whole article is utterly fascinating. Highly, highly recommend to read. But it was really just that the, the French brewery wanted to kind of add something to their portfolio. They came across uh, George Killian Lett, who was, you know, kill, George Killian what they were making as sort of their family thing. And they're like, that sounds Irish. Let's use that. But, you know, th- this is not starting out as, you know, anything sort of red. It's it's really actually based on what had been their strong ale which was just kind of an amped up pale ale and off we went. And so again, highly recommend people read the whole article because again, it is an absolute delight there. There are just some wonderful, wonderful phrases in it all all across, but it is yes, sheer paddywhackery from, from start to finish. So it's up there with like wild mountain time as a kind of. Don't get me farted. (laughs) But uh, no one turned. Oh, we shouldn't spoiler the film.
2: We shouldn't spoil (laughs) it. But if there's, any apiarists out there or are they <laughs> people who keep bees and stuff
3: yeah that sounded that sounded right that's fair an apiary needs um...
2: it's a very strange movie have you seen it Tandy? no oh
5: it's no.
2: deeply strange it's very yeah.
5: strange I'm feeling so lost I don't know what you guys are talking about
2: so it's an Irish movie okay starring Jamie Dornan who is Irish right. putting up putting on a terrible Irish accent, like how it's does not have his no accent. Well, he's got he's he's got a Nordy accent where well, I think it's supposed to be in Mayo or Connemara or something, something. And, and Emily Blunt stars opposite him. And it's like they're in love with each other. Are they not in love with each other? What the hell is going on? And when you find out what is going on, you're like, what just happened <laughs> there? Cause I don't understand any of this. What the hell?
3: I feel like Tandy and I know how, how you feel. We're- Totally confused. We haven't seen this movie.
4: Oh, You don't even need to see the movie. Just go watch the trailer. You've done done enough work if you've seen the trailer, frankly. But there is, to Katie's point, it gets weird. It's called Wild Mountain Time. It was based on a Broadway play that people loved and thought was very worthy and and delightful. But then, wow.
5: (laughs) Bonkers. Okay.
4: Yeah, it takes a turn. I'll just say that.
2: If you watch the trailer, then I can fill you in on, on what happens at the end. And you'll be like, what? (laughs) you know literally it's like what on earth is is he doing what like what exactly exactly but tangent tangent an
4: important tangent because it is culturally wow it's it's all happening but you know again when we sort of unpack the history and then so again martin does this great job of you know getting you all the sort of relatively recent things from the 1970s and then ron pattinson has had some delightful delightful things sort of going on saying well All of these things that are now branded as, you know, Irish red used to just be a pale ale or basically an Irish interpretation of what would be a sort of normal English bitter, sometimes a brown ale, sometimes a mild, especially I think some of these that tend toward the more sweet end of the spectrum. You can see a lot of similarity there where you've got kind of the the sort of caramel color, not that mild always had to be, but, you know, more recently has been, you know, kind of lower alcohol, low hops, you know, they're, they're they're all in there. And I think it's it's an interesting thing for me, too, especially to think about kind of the, the relationship between kind of this and then uh, bitters, because I love bitters. I can never find any, mm. uh, at least here in Ireland. There, there's very, very few of them, but I can see this kind of fills the same niche to a certain extent. But then again, they really took off in North America sort of post 1970, not just because of the completely crazy one that Coors essentially put out there, but you get a couple out there. All the microbreweries started putting them out. Michael Jackson noticed them. Have his little pocket guide to, to beer here where at a certain point he's like, oh yeah, they're making all these Irish red ales. Huh, that's interesting. And the people were like, it's a style, it exists. And just tons and tons of microbreweries started making them. And in fact, one of my, my favorites is uh, Carl Strauss Red Trolley Ale from Southern California. Gorgeous, but I don't know that I would think, drink it and think, oh yes, that is an Irish red ale. I would think... Oh, that's an interesting pale ale, maybe even a brown ale? And again, one one of the ones that I really like here in Ireland is Heaney's Red Ale, but it's really a brown ale. It could go either way. So I don't know. I think Tandy, you've got some you've got some brewing smarts to lay on us that will speak to
5: this. I do, and and it completely verifies what you're saying there in a lot of ways because an Irish red ale, in air quotes, now has a very very similar ingredient base to a lot of other beers. I think you know for the most part, it's only really characterized by the fact that it's got a certain level of bitterness. Again, in air quotes. Because it's a very big spectrum, a certain level of maltiness, and again a very big spectrum, and it's of a certain color. As Lisa was saying now earlier, if you if you're a home brewer of any of any kind, like if you've literally brewed three beers, you'll have probably brewed a beer this color. Yeah. And it's because it doesn't come from anything as magical as red malt, although you can brew it with malts that are redder, but it would actually come from the varying amounts of crystal malts and roasted malts that will add color. But because they're very, very concentrated, you don't add them in big amounts. So you're adding small amounts of them. They add, I mean, crystal malt, depending on the kind, but it'll add caramel or toffee, which is very much in the wheelhouse of a a red ale. And it'll add that color, that little bit of color. I mean, even if you use plain... Like pale malt, you're pretty much almost nearly at this color anyway. You know, you, you you kind of don't need to do that much to get to this kind of coppery, ambery color. Now, when you go into the deep garnets, almost like what Katie's got for for those on the on the podcast, not on YouTube, but hers was very lipstick red, like lovely, mm. lovely garnet yeah. red. And um, that you'd probably find has got like a red x or something in it to give it that that extra. Redness, But, I mean, it's just actually pale malt, normally Maris Otter, so normally a UK-based pale malt. It's normally UK hops. So we're talking Fuggles and East Kent Goldings. So those are slightly floral, slightly spicy, but they're not fruity. They're not tropical. So that's the big difference for for red hails. Because you're adding then these different malts, so crystal and roasted malts. In small quantities, it will give you that colour. So it's very much, it's kind of a middle of the road beer. Like there's nothing, there's nothing super special about it. I mean, they're lovely, but but there's nothing. There's there's no there's no trickery that goes into making a red ale. But where where they do differ is between the three broad types. So between a UK slash Irish red ale, which is going to be more malt forward. You know what you're looking for in that. Um, you're definitely looking for it to not be tropical. Firstly, that would be the biggest no-no. So, not too bitter is one, but not too tropical or hoppy tasting is another. And I'll get to that again. We want it to be balanced, but slightly to the side of the sweet. So, just a tint, just you know, just just a just a lean over there. But it's not meant to be sweet. It's actually meant to be very well balanced. It's just that the hops are not the thing that you notice about those. And then the yeast character, you you know, I've read that you can brew them with lager or ale yeasts. Yeah. So that's an interesting spin. I'd always thought that they were ale yeast only, but, but a lot of the English yeasts would give something akin to a buttery, like a diacetyl, because that's part of their yeast characteristics. Now that is an accepted flavor within an Irish red. So if you've got a small amount of something that is a little bit toffee like rather than caramel, which would almost just be pure sugar, if you've got a little. A bit of a butteriness that, that's acceptable if it's too much like if you really do notice it then it's too much you know again it's one of these these kinds of styles that you've got quite a big range you can almost do what you want <laughs> as long as you you stick into the ingredients. And then the only difference between um, the UK with Irish style, which is, I mean, now it's recognized as the Irish style and an amber ale is that amber ales will have American grains. So not necessarily as biscuity as something like a Maris Otter. So you'll have something a little bit more, slightly lower in color, not quite as biscuity, a lot more bready, plain. But then your crystal malts, and your and your roasted malts will add the same colors pretty much, but then you hop them a lot more. So extra bittering, extra hop, like hopping at the end, or dry hopping even to uh, to give it those flavors. So hoppy and malty, those are the main two. I want to touch quickly on hopness, hoppiness, hoppiness and, and bitterness. We'll be doing this quite soon on the podcast anyway for, for those who are regulars, but there is a very common misconception that Hoppiness is the same as bitterness, and it isn't. You get things that add bittering qualities to your beer, and you would notice that your beer is balanced, if not to the side of bitterness, if you've added hops, but you can add many, many other things to beer to add bitterness. And all it's doing is counteracting the sweetness. So when things are fermenting, it's eating the sugars, so you're already going to have less sweetness, but adding the bittering just counterbalances anything that's left over anyway. There's many, many things that can give you bitterness. And normally bitterness doesn't have a a flavor of its own. It's more like a, how do we describe this? Bitterness is an aftertaste more than a flavor.
3: Yeah, it's like a feeling on the back of your yeah, tongue. it's like a
5: feeling, and some sometimes it's a dryness, it depends, but sometimes it's a dryness, sometimes it's something else. But hoppiness is different. Hoppiness is, is often and the best actually the best way to learn about this is to go between IPAs. So East Coast and West Coast IPAs. So west coast IPAs are traditionally bitter, east coasts are yeah. traditionally poppy. <laughs> so if you're thinking of hop flavors as in juicy tropical delicious things up front but not finishing dry hoppy if you're thinking of something that is finishing off quite bitter then you're thinking of something bitter most beers have both so it's kind of tricky to work it out but with an amber ale or even a red ale it's a little bit different between them but none like hoppiness um and bitterness are only relevant or only predominant in amber oils. So that's the American-styled red oils. In the Irish styles, they are actually bitter, and they're allowed to be quite bitter. You just don't always notice it because you don't always have the hops up front. So you don't get those tropical citrusy, tiny resiny flavors up front so therefore you don't associate it with 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 a bitterness but it is bitter because it's balanced
2: definitely this one is it's malt like when you taste it initially it's really really malty but then when you're swallowing it down it's you definitely get that bitter aftertaste but it's a it's not it's lovely it's a nice flavor.
4: Yeah, and I find I find sometimes with the red ales, you get some, again, you can get some that are very, very, very sweet. And I, I don't tend to go for the ones that are so far to the, that one side. Like you say, they should be a little more balanced. But I think there are others, too, that get a kind of almost metallic taste. And again, I'm assuming that's based on the water profile. And sometimes that can go too far the other way, too. But I feel like when it's just right, when it's in equilibrium, you get a kind of almost, again, it sort of goes with the copper color, you know, and again, it's making all of these connections for you anyway, but it's, it's really interesting when you do have, sort of have that color and you get that sort of almost sort of coppery metallic taste, but it's, it's just the right amount. It goes too far and it's, it, it's not good. But again, that's a combination I'm assuming of, you know, your, your water profile and your hops just doing happy things together if it's turned out right. And if it hasn't, then you're like, oh, we went yeah. too far in one direction.
5: Indeed. So what I, what I had read, I've I've done an amber ale, brewed an amber ale before. I've never done a red ale, so I'll have to just report back when I've done that. But what I had read was that the the real trick about brewing a red ale is being very cautious and very measured in how much crystal and how barley you put in, because you only need the almost the smallest amount to slightly change the colour and to slightly add you know, that bit of of caramel and biscuit into it. But people often overdo it. And I think that's also where a bit of metallicness can probably come from. I think there are certain malts that add, and I think Vienna is actually one of them, that adds a bit of a metallic taste. So it's one of those things that you think you can just kind of throw some stuff in. But if you want to make a really well-balanced red ale, it's about precision and balance and careful measurement, as usual.
2: Like everything. Exactly. Yeah.
4: But it's so interesting that you can use, like you were saying, either ale or, or lager yeasts. And and even some of the commercial examples have started life as one and morphed into the other. And it seems like without a huge sort of, without most people noticing, which is kind of an interesting thing, you'd think there would be a, a very noticeable difference. But then, you know, equally, you can think about like a nice mertz and nice fest beer that's going to have a lot of kind of similar yeah. qualities that maybe you're just kind of be like. Uh, it's all good. It's all that you know, kind of bready again. Not you know malt forward, not hop forward, but you could see how they might play in the same space potentially, and maybe also end up that same color.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I suppose living in Ireland, I remember Smithix would have been a big one. <laughs> Here, hands up who's had a mythics
5: Oh so many, I've actually got a story About this,
2: okay tell us your story So
5: in 2016 I, I Visited Ireland and it was totally Unrelated to moving, I didn't even know it at all That we were going to be moving, but in t- It was my 30th birthday and that was My thing, I was going to come and spend Paddy's day <laughs> In Dublin What a Honestly what a noob, but I found Like we found ourselves big family holiday With, with cousins and family from all over The world, but we found ourselves um, All over the place, but in this of a case, it was in Adair, which is the most beautiful, like, small villagey town thing outside of Limerick. Oh, Thatched cottages. Gorgeous. Like, it's just ridiculous. So, we found ourselves there, and I made friends with this Irish woman who was hysterically funny and I just thought she was amazing and I kept ordering smithwicks (laughs) on tap right smithwicks because my my silly South African accent you know I must pronounce everything and she hosed herself at me and she's like it's smithwicks what you doing (laughs) it's smithwicks I have also ordered some
3: smithwicks as well (laughs) copious chugs of their you know things.
2: I reckon this is why Guinness launched Kilkenny because it's so much easier to say than Smithix.
4: Didn't they
5: buy Kilkenny?
4: Oh yeah and in fact I'm gonna pull up Kilkenny in my great beer guide uh, again more more Michael Jackson because it speaks to a little bit about what you were saying before that diacetyl and, and you know this sort of real change in kind of how we perceive these things today too because I, I feel like yeah, and and in fact when when I tried to order some when I was in Kilkenny last year, they weren't actually brewing it because there weren't enough tourists to make it viable. But uh, but again this is
5: quite sad actually.
4: Back in the back in the nineties, you know, we've got this look here. So for for those at home it's very sort of golden really. Not what we would think of as, you know, air quotes red, but it's still listed here as Irish Red Ale, yeah. But it does it does say you know under the Smithwick's name, the brewery produces a toffeeish, buttery ale with a to- with a touch of burnt toast in the finish. This is primarily sold in Ireland. Elsewhere in the world, a slightly stronger, drier, nuttier interpretation is sold as Kilkenny Irish Beer. So it's interesting that you know Smithwick's has been many different things in its you know in its you know relatively long life. It's also just been a straight up pale ale that was very much kind of a Know, kind of colonial product, if you like, where it was just like, you know, there you go. But now it's this, you know, it's this very kind of, yeah, almost touristy thing. But yeah, it's it's a little bit sad that, that again. There's a the little, Kilkenny anyone nice and nice and golden, and uh, maybe we'll take a picture for the show notes.
2: I haven't seen Kilkenny in years and years and years. I don't think it's it's as mainstream as it used to be at all. No. Let me tell
5: you, my, my South African beer friends are devastated by this fact because they uh, they love Kilkenny. Everybody loves Kilkenny. And I think that South Africa might be one of the last strongholds of people, you know, places that love Kilkenny. But it's not quite as common as Guinness, but it's much more common than it is here actually that's interesting well it makes sense i mean you look at it's lighter just even in
4: color again perception you're going to think oh it's it's hot i want something light refreshing even if again a guinness can also be those things but you may reach for something you can sort of see through yeah but i think the buttery piece i thought was really interesting because i feel like when i've had it i don't know that i've noticed that note so again it's is it made for local made for export that has that it's an interesting an interesting question but again when i think of you know very buttery sort of diacetyl beers again. I think bitters, I think of, you know, very kind of English style beers, not really miles as much. I think really like certain bitters are so buttery. And sometimes you order that and think, oh, this is, you know, I didn't want to go to the cinema and get popcorn. And this is a little, a little much, but again, I love a good bitter. So I love my kind of bitter.
5: That's it. So, so effectively it was just, a butter that was slightly different color and somebody caught it on you know let's make a marketing campaign as Lisa as Lisa said yeah exactly exactly all about the marketing who can say what catches on exactly <laughs>
4: you
3: know like why do these things catch on I don't know
4: yeah it's a it's a weird thing too but even, again think about how quickly you know some of these things change slowly and some change you know quite quickly because in our before we, uh, started, I think Bean, you were talking about, you know, getting the Franciscan Well.
3: Oh, yeah.
4: Uh, you know, the Rebel Red. And again, here's, here's another book. This is from 2000, also a Michael Jackson specialty, but he's talking about how the, you know, the Franciscan Well Rebel was a light hoppy lager and now it's a red ale. And you wonder, is it that different necessarily? It's still a relatively light beer when i think about it you know, did they just sort of put in more caramel malts, maybe sort of swap around the east and say ah good enough
3: yeah maybe they pitched in just a teaspoon more because i'll i did research as a tourist <laughs> yeah. and so i'll just uh hold up my franciscan well so one of these is the rebel red the darker one and one is the chieftain pale ale yes and like
5: i mean one is hoppier for sure so for those listening along, Bean is showing a photo on her phone there of two pints, two brown beers. Yeah. one is one is more coppery, one is more red.
2: <laughs> yeah, there is not that a hell of a lot of a difference between the pair of them. In all fairness,
3: same head, same clarity.
2: Absolutely.
4: Well, and going back to this book, you know, thinking back to, to Murphy's, I only think about their stout. But but back in the day, he said they have a lightly malty Irish red in the British market, and a slightly more characterful. Amber in the U.S., basically the same beer, just slightly tweaked for for the market. But 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 I think, too, to get back to that kind of piece about, you know, people took this and ran with it in, in, in the U.S. and Canada, and again, having this sort of idea of this great antiquity, partially because there are a couple of, well, a couple of, there's a medieval poem that talks about red beer, and everyone's like, that's it. That's the one, you know, notwithstanding that it probably didn't have hops and all these other all these other things but it's you know there was enough that people could tie it to and say well Yates probably talked about it too and it's all it's all one thing so
5: and and it's one of those things because actually if you even look at red ales versus brown ales um you you know they don't always have that much of a difference between them i agree they're kind of similar like okay a brown ale might have a bit of chocolate malt which will give it a slightly different flavor but it doesn't have to so yeah well, I,
4: get, I go back to the Heaney one, which I think is a gorgeous, gorgeous beer. They're red to me. It's it's a brown ale. I think they've admitted as such on the internet. It's basically the same, but it's it's a wonderful, wonderful beer, and I, I can, you know, totally appreciate. Again, I know we want to put it out there in the universe. More brown ale, more brown yeah. ale. I'm also just happy to have more more reds on that end of the spectrum. It's
2: all it's all fine. Definitely. I can predict a whole episode dedicated to brown ales in our in our not too distant future. I could see it
5: happening. I'm in. <laughs> the the fun part is sourcing the different beers, right? So like find finding the interesting ones. So if we can get every every brew in now, please in the country make an excellent brown ale, so that we've got lots of choice, so we can do another episode. And just by the by, on to the wildfire hoppy red ale by Wickler Wolf. Uh huh. See, it says hoppy on it, so you know it does. It does. And you, but you see, I've got a I've got a slight issue with that actually. Why not just call it an amber ale? Because right, you know. That's that's how it's known everywhere else. and But anyway, I did want to mention, though, that there are maybe a couple of, we didn't really touch on Flanders Red, but Flanders we did touch on a little bit in our Sours episode, so you can always go look for that. But there are a couple of mentions of beers that are red, but not necessarily their own styles, mm-hmm. like red IPAs. Yeah. So, so red IPAs, very much the same as an Amber Ale, or just an IPA that has got a red color. No, remember, we did this on IPAs, guys. Like, it, we can call everything an IPA if we want to. Absolutely. Throw <laughs> enough hops in here. Like, it's an IPA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're good. You're good. It's an IPA. Um, so then, Katie, I know you mentioned like a red rye ale. So I probably wouldn't consider that its own style in in itself because rye is just one of the ingredients that you might brew. But it does add itself, doesn't it? Mm. Like, rye adds its own flavor which is really cool. And then the different sours of the different uh, wild things that you can do that end up being read are always worth a mention just because, you, you know, as Bean said, you might not see it on the, on the can. So buyer beware. Absolutely. Yeah. Know what you're buying
4: or at least ask. Ask a knowledgeable person mm. who's going to be cool about sharing their knowledge and not be all like, I know the secret thing. You know, those people are no fun.
2: Like people are going, yeah, Katie, go on, order the Flanders red. No one I hate physical or you know.
5: And you hate sour things, Katie. It's hysterical.
2: I know.
5: <laughs> and then there was there was only one more thing that I wanted to add from a kind of a brewing or a serving perspective, and that is you do get some red ales that are served on nitro, which really does mm. add, yeah, like it really does add to that mouthfeel. So you already think mm. of an Irish red. Now I'm talking an Irish, Irish red now. I said Irish, oh, didn't I? <laughs> an Irish red, you think of it as being a little bit more creamy and a little bit more almost sweet. And when you serve it on nitro, it does, it can add to that. So, you know, you wouldn't probably serve an amber ale on nitro because it it, I don't think it would really make sense. We have sense. to try it with the wisdom ale
3: from Elbow Lane, which is possibly might be an amber. I couldn't figure it out. It was awfully red.
2: What is that theme?
3: In Cork, Elbow Lane does a thing called Wisdom Ale, which is, well, I think they say it's an amber, but I have to say I found it to be kind of red. Well, we have to now we have to experiment. Yeah, well, I'm going back to Cork in
4: October, so you know, I can <gasps> off you go. I can go look into this. I'm trying to think of, like, you know, like you say, what ones I've had on nitro. I want to say, like, back in Definitely, like, back in the mid-90s in the UK, there was Caffrey's on nitro everywhere, which was just as an Irish ale, just very generic, and it was just like, here's this kind of foamy thing, and off you go. <laughs> I had
2: forgotten about Caffrey's, yeah, that's a thing as well.
4: I had to look it up, and I'm like, was it red? It's like, eh, ish. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I'm going to have to go on a tangent here. Has anybody seen the ad for the new Guinness can with the nitro pouring spout? I haven't seen
5: it yet. Oh, no. What do you mean the nitro pouring spout, Katie? What are you telling me?
2: It's a Guinness nitro can. I don't know if it has like the nitrogen in a little hub at the top and when you open it and then it has a little spout. I've just seen a picture. I haven't seen this in real life.
5: So it's like widget 2.0. Yeah, it's oh uh, okay. Because
2: the widget already provides the nitrate. Well, not provides. But wasn't but... there a worldwide shortage of widgets? So maybe this is a redesign. There was. And they re-engineered it. I saw a picture um, and I was like, what is that? So you don't pour it through the ring pull thing. You pour it through. It comes with a little spout. Oh, that's fascinating.
5: But oh, That's cool. Okay.
2: If I can find the picture, I will share it. No, I'll
4: have to look at that. And now this is terrible because I looked up Caffrey's. Is Caffrey's built beer still available? I'm like, lads, it wasn't that good. Like, it was cheap. <laughs> it was cheap. But yeah, it was It was. But the beer you got on Nitro if you didn't get Guinness. It was the other one. I guess, yeah, it did. I, I do remember that it had, again, at least living in the UK in the 90s, I remember they had Patty Wackery adverts about it but I can't remember anything substantial
2: about it apart from it was pretty foamy. Like that's legit. All I, all I remember is the, have we, have we run our course on red ales? Is that, have we anything notable else to say? Thanks
3: Rickards Red, for all those many, many, many jugs of campus. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just many jugs of ale to share with your friends on campus when I was just a young thing in Canada. And of course the smittics, of course, don't knock what your grandpa drinks. He's probably spent many years spending a good, solid consistent pint.
2: absolutely you know what you can't you can't beat consistency can you if you know exactly what you're getting then you know what go for
5: it <laughs> absolutely absolutely no judgment here. Yeah.
2: i think on that note we'll kind of start to finish up people out there please follow us on twitter follow at beer ladies pod and on instagram at beer ladies podcast and you can watch us and you can actually see the colors of our of our red ales on youtube on youtube.com forward slash beer ladies pod are you you people are gesturing at me and i don't know what they mean what are you saying oh you're just showing they're showing what's left
5: we're just showing the color of our red (laughs) ales
2: they're just showing That we have actually been drinking.
4: On a school night but you know again red ale only about five percent not a not a bad weeknight beer so.
2: It's brilliant I actually was a holy communion dress shopping for my niece at the weekend and I spent my day on red ales and sweetmans in town and it was delicious so there you go. So on that note I think we'll all say goodbye. Have I forgotten to say anything? I think I have it all. That's the end of our episode. And we'll be back next week. We'll be back next week. We're back.
4: We're 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 back. We're bad. It's all happening. So,
2: and we are wherever you get your podcast. So if you're on Apple, if you're on the Play Store, if you're on a Buzzsprout, anywhere Spotify, if it if it has podcasts, we're there. Okay, so the Beer Ladies Podcast. You're here.
5: Bye, friends. Bye.
2: Bye, everyone. Bye.